I want to say good morning, Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, again, we want to let you know, we said this about three times, here's the fourth, that you are our honored guest and that you're always, always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And we truly, truly believe this. Uh, you've come to the right place this morning because we don't think you'll find a finer church in the entire galaxy. All right. All you Star Wars folk this morning, amen. Uh, but we're excited that you're here uh, with us. Our numbers are, are somewhat down as we have a lot of our members traveling to different parts of the country this morning. Uh, so we're, we're, we're excited that you're here with us because we know many of you may be taking off or have family coming in. But thanks for being with us here this morning. Um, we are now, if you didn't know, in week four of Advent. And next Sunday, we're going to close out this series on Christmas Day, which is really, really cool. And uh, in the Darden household, we're really, really excited because we're going to have a full house this year. Um, my brothers and sisters, Von Lynn told us that we're going to have everybody at our house uh, this year. So mom and dad are coming down, brothers and sisters. My brother-in-law uh, will be here. He is uh, from the Congo, and uh, I'm excited for him to get to see our church down here, and you guys get to meet him, uh, and I can look at him in the eye and make sure he's treating my sister right. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, I know many of you have a lot of plans, and this is just an exciting, exciting time of year. Um, so we're, we're so thrilled. We're so, so thrilled. So a real quick review before we begin. If, if you come to our Wednesday night Bible classes, you know that I like to do a lot of review. Okay, so here you go to get us caught up to speed on what we've been setting up to this point if you're uh, with us here today for the first time. So in week one of Advent, I presented you with a definition of Advent. Remember that? We said Advent uh, has multiple meanings, but uh, the meaning is the expectation, the great expectation or, or the arrival. And during that, that first week, we talked about the significance of Jesus bringing hope to the world, right? So that was week one. In week two of Advent, we talked about the significance of Jesus bringing love into the world. And last week, we discussed the importance of Jesus bringing joy into the world and how we should continually live in joy. And I got a really neat story. So I'm outside next to my neighbor, um, whose name is Johnny. He calls me James. I think he does it on purpose now. But anyway, outside, I'm next to him, and I'm noticing him putting up some Christmas lights and a big cutout. And as he was cutting out, he finally put it up. And I went back outside because I was being nosy to see what he was doing, right? Um, and he put out a sign that said joy, right? And it was right after I had preach the sermon, and I thought that was really, really neat to think in terms of joy during this time of year. And today in week four, what we're going to be talking about is a subject that I love, and it's the topic of peace. The topic of peace. So the story goes, after a very long and boring sermon, the church members filed out of the back of the church, and they didn't say a single word to the preacher. Now, for preachers, that's really tough because we don't know what that means. Uh, and, and towards the end of the line, there was a very thoughtful person who always commented on the preacher's sermon. And he said, preacher, guess what? Today, your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. 
And the preacher was thrilled. He said, wow, no one has ever said anything like that to me before about my preaching. Tell me why. He said, well, because it reminded me, uh, it reminded me of the peace of God because it, it passed all understanding and the love of God because it endured forever. Amen. So I'm going to say this real quick so you'll know. Uh, hopefully I won't bore you this morning, but next week's sermon is going to be somewhat short, okay? So I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Uh, so be prepared for that. Today we want to look at Isaiah chapter 9, if you have your Bibles this morning. So open up to Isaiah chapter 9, and I want to look at a very famous passage of Scripture that we, we look at and we study during this time of year. It's a powerful, moving section of Scripture that will set the context of what we're going to be talking about this morning, and that context being peace. So if you've got a copy of your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up. I've got it up on the screen, but I would love for you to follow along with us, beginning in verse number 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then underline this one, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This morning, I want you to say the word peace. Will you say it with me? Say peace. It's a powerful word that means a lot, doesn't it? And it has multiple, multiple layers. You know, today the world is still consumed with the desire for peace. And as a soldier in the army, I often think about my brothers and sisters in harm's way. You know, we've been at war with terrorism for 15 long years now. Right now, there is a detachment of my military unit that is heading overseas on a deployment to Iraq. They're an interrogate, I'm with an interrogation uh, unit, military intelligence, and they're heading downrange. And what I have to do is before they go on their deployment, I have to sit down with the chaplain, as the chaplain, and talk to them about any fears and anxieties and worries that they might have. War is a problem. Don't you hate war? Don't you, don't you hate conflict? And we know that there are trouble spots in the Middle East, and peace has been uh, trying to, uh, peace has been pursued there for centuries, right? There's always negotiations to stop fire and to, and to have peace, and, and there have been scores of efforts to bring about peace in Israel, in Syria, and uh, in the Palestinian areas, no one, though, would be surprised if a war broke out today because they're used to it. But what we long for and what we want is peace. Peace movements and peace negotiations proceed all over the world 
And here's what happens. This is really interesting. Typically, stronger countries believe that peace must be negotiated from a position of power. And then you have radical groups, right? And radical groups believe that terror will force the issue of peace. But what we're left with is a more dangerous and a more frightening world than ever before. And we're left wondering if anyone is really interested in peace, righteousness, and justice for all. Or are they just securing their own interests? I love peace, and I hate conflict. And as I look at our country today, boy, we got a lot of conflict going on. We want nothing more than peace. And the church is supposed to be the pillar and really communicate this idea of peace, right? But what I do know about peace is that evil is not going anywhere anytime soon, right? So how do we deal with this? How do we, how do we address this? So to set the context of Isaiah chapter 9, here the prophet writes to give the children of Israel encouragement that under the rule of Christ or the messianic age, peace would abound. And Isaiah calls Jesus in this text the prince of peace. And the Hebrew word for the word peace means more than just the absence of war. To Isaiah, peace is a condition in which all things follow their destiny undisturbed. And we're reminded here as we read this test, text of an echo called the, the peaceable kingdom, right? And you guys know what, know what that is. Peace, completeness, unity. This morning, you've got a sermon outline in your bulletin. I would invite you to take that out and follow along with us, and you can fill in some of the principles that are highlighted in red. This is very, very important material this morning, so I, I pray that you write some of these principles down. John chapter 14 uh, is a really interesting text, and it, and it says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you uh, as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You all know the context of John chapter 14, right? Uh, he's there with his disciples. Jesus is there, and he's speaking from an eschatological point of view, and he's addressing the end times, and, and he was making mention of his death and speaking about what life would look like in heaven or on the other side to his disciples. And he said, look, I'm going to leave you, and I'm not going to be with you any longer. Right? I'm going to prepare a place for you, but guess what? When I leave you, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and in the Holy Spirit, one of the items that is going to be left behind with you is peace. But it's a different kind of peace. It's not the peace that the world understands or a peace from the world. It's a much different peace. But Jesus made it clear that he's leaving peace, Prince of Peace. But then we get to Matthew chapter 10, and we see something very, very interesting. Right? Matthew chapter 10 says this, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Look at verse number 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Houston, there's a problem, right? 
We just read that Jesus is coming to give peace and to bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. But then he says, look, look, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So what do we do with this, right? Is Jesus contradicting himself? Does the scripture contradict itself? We see peace and he says, look, I'm not bringing peace. Which one is it, right? Well, I think what we need to flesh out is we need to flesh out what the difference between godly peace is and worldly peace is. You know, what's interesting about Matthew chapter 10 is uh, at first glance, it seems like there's some contradiction here. And we all know that Jesus came and conducted his ministry and he didn't live amongst people in a very peaceful way, right? He had problems with the governing authorities, right? They eventually put him to a horrible death. You think about all the disciples that followed him. They were in constant conflict all the time, right? So what do we do with this? Well, I think what Jesus is saying here as we kind of juxtapose these two ideas is that there's a difference between godly peace and worldly peace. And that's what I want to spend our time on this morning, kind of fleshing out and understanding. So this morning, I want you to do this. Before we go to the next slide... I want you in your mind right now to be thinking, what's the difference between these two? What's the difference between godly peace and worldly peace? Start thinking about that now, and hopefully you'll be coming up with a couple of answers that we can add to this list. But if you're kind of stumped and you're going, uh, well, that's why I'm here. Let me help bring a little bit of clarity this morning if we can. The difference between godly peace and worldly peace. So I've got really four points for us uh, this morning. If you have your notes, write these things down because they'll be beneficial to you. Uh, The first point is this, that we need to understand. Shalom. Shalom speaks to the whole person. If any of you here this morning grew up in a Jewish context or you've had Jewish family members, you know that word shalom is really, really important. So uh, my uncle from Berkeley, California is Jewish, and whenever we go home and enter into his house, he has a floor mat that says shalom, and we have to step on it and step over it as we enter into his home. Shalom is a really, really interesting word. Shalom is a Hebrew word uh, that means harmony. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means prosperity. It means welfare and tranquility. It can also mean that it has been paid for. So when you say the word peace or you say the word shalom, what you're saying is a word that is intended to be a blessing upon someone's life. It's more than just the cease of conflict between two parties. That's the first thing that we need to know about the word peace or shalom. It's more than just the ceasing of conflict. The best way to illustrate this is... um, when Mary and I first met, um, one of the things that I had to do, she made me do this. She said, Jason, if you want to put a ring on it, you got to go talk to my daddy, right? She said, if you want to marry me, you need to go talk to my daddy. And I said, no problem. So I decided to fly to New Hampshire. Mary's from New Hampshire. Fly to New Hampshire to meet Mary's dad to ask her or ask him for her hand in marriage, Right? Now, I'd never been to New Hampshire before. Anybody been to New Hampshire here this morning? Oh, excuse me. Wow, you're well-traveled, right? I'd never been to New Hampshire before. Did you know that the state of New Hampshire doesn't charge uh, taxes, right? 
right? They don't charge taxes on uh, property. Like if you go to the store and you buy a Snickers bar, right? They don't, they don't put tax on that, right? But the way that they round up their taxes is through tolls on the toll road, right? I didn't know this. So I fly into Manchester Airport and I rent a car and the lady asked me at the counter, do you need a fast track? I said, why would I need a fast track? That's just more money. No, I don't need that, right? So I hopped in the car and I left the airport. The first stop that I hit was a toll booth. And the lady at the toll booth said to me, uh, it's $1 to pass through this toll. I said, what? And that day I didn't have any cash, didn't have any coins, coins and guess what? They don't take debit cards, right? So I'm there, and I had to drive like three hours to get to Mary's house, and the lady at the booth told me, look, there's going to be about ten more tolls. And I was getting frustrated and upset at that point. And I said, look, I'm from, I'm from Georgia. I don't know any better. I'm, I was raised in California. I don't, I don't understand this. And she said to me that day at the booth, and I really appreciate it because I was already nervous about meeting Mary's dad, is, look, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay all your tolls for you to get to where you need to be. You know what that did? That brought me peace, right? Especially because I was a broke college student. I didn't have that much money, right? Peace, completeness, paid for, right? So shalom speaks to the whole person, right? Point number two is this. Godly peace allows for troubles. You remember what the text says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? The Scripture doesn't say that you won't have hard times. In fact, I believe that when you become a Christian, life gets a little harder. Amen. I wish Parwin was here this morning. I told her I was going to mention her in a sermon, uh, so she's not here, so this is the perfect time to mention it. Okay, so... Parwin, I love to death, and we love Parwin. I remember when Parwin first came to this church, she was troubled. She had a lot of stuff going on. I remember her coming to a Wednesday night Bible class, and she was sitting with us, and she went and got a cup of coffee, and her hand was shaking, right? She couldn't even sit still because she was so nervous and so worried about what was going on in life, right? And we spent time with her, and we talked to her about Jesus, and we talked to her about peace, and eventually Parwin was baptized. And I remember talking to her before she was baptized, and I said, look, Parman, realize that when you become a Christian, your problems aren't going to disappear. And in a lot of ways, it's going to get more and more difficult. I said the same thing to Billy Allman when we prepared to baptize him. Look, it's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. But as you look at Parwin now, and I asked her the other day, has your problems got any easier? She said, no. But you know what she said? I've learned to handle them a little better. That's peace. That's what Jesus came to give us, the ability to have peace in the midst of all the troubles and difficulties. Godly peace allows for trouble. Point number three is this. Worldly peace seeks control. When we feel like we're in control, we feel like we can have peace, right? But godly peace tells us to give up control so that we can have peace. Uh, I'm going to be a little transparent. I hate to fly on the airplane. I love to drive. Why do I hate flying on the airplane? Because I'm scared we're going to crash, right? And the reason why I'm scared we're going to crash is because I'm not in control, right? Because nobody can do it better than me, right? 
So every time I get on the airplane, I'm getting a little better now, I get super, super nervous, right? I get super nervous. So the story goes, my grandparents were missionaries in Ethiopia, and they were flying back to the States, and while on the airplane, one of the windows on the airplane blew, and they lost cabin pressure. I don't know what happened or how they were able to get the plane down. I still don't know the whole story, but from that point on, my grandmother has never stepped foot on an airplane. And she passed that gene on to me. I don't know how, right? But I have it now. So I hate to fly on the airplane, especially internationally, because you got to go over the pond. Where are you going to land if some problems happen, right? Nowhere, right? So I hate to fly. And every time I get on the airplane, I say a little prayer. Lord, be with the pilots, be with the flight attendants, be with the passengers, be with me, right? Because I want to be in control, and if I can have control, I can have peace. But as I got, as I got a little older, I realized if I'm on an airplane, I can't do anything. So what you worried about? You might as well sit there, right, eat your little dinner, and kick back because you're not in charge, Jason, right? And now I can hop on the plane and fly with no problems. Not really. Every once in a while, I still say a little prayer. But when we give up control, we can have peace. But so many of us, we like to hold on, right? If we can only be in charge. But God says, give it up. And then you'll experience what true peace is, right? And that's hard for us to do. And then lastly, godly peace always endures. Godly peace or God's peace is always available and present if we just choose to tap into it. But we're the ones who allow Satan to pull the wool over our eyes, Scripture tells us that Satan is a liar and a deceiver. And he's the one that tells us to worry. He's the one that tells us to have anxiety. He's the one that tells us that we've got to be in control. And he puts obstacles our way to cause us to lose peace. But what we need to remember about God is God says, Look, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you can always have peace in your life if you choose to grab onto it. So hopefully, in looking at this list, we can kind of see the difference between godly peace and worldly peace. And I think if we keep these principles with us, they'll really, really help us. I know they help me because I, I struggle with peace sometimes. So I want to end with Psalm 119, verses 165 through 168. Scripture says here, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, Lord, and I follow your commands. I obey your statutes, for I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes, for all my ways are known to you. How many people do you have in your life that really, really know you? Like, I mean, like, really, really know you. They know all the good stuff about you. They know all the bad stuff about you. That knows what you struggle with. That knows what you're good at, right? That knows your idiosyncrasies, but still chooses to love you completely. That's hard to find. So if you have a spouse this morning, you better look at them and say, thank you, right? <laughs> thank you. Right? God loves us in that way. 
He knows everything about us, and He chooses to love us, and it's powerful. So if we walk in His ways, we can learn to have peace. So practical example. I, I always want to leave you with some practical application this week as I was really, really thinking about it. The question that I want to leave you with at the bottom of your sermon outline, it says, great sermon, now what? The question that we need to answer this morning, and I'll give you some practical stuff, is how can we learn to have more shalom or more peace? How do we do that this week, okay? So I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to give you a couple of things to think about, and then the sermon will be yours. Number one is this. If you want to learn to have more shalom this week, surrender control, right? So how do you do that? Here's what I want you to do this week. You ready? First of all, before we even get there, think about your greatest fear, whatever your greatest fear is, right? Now think about uh, number three on that list, okay? Or number four or number five. I want you to think about that. This week I want you to face one of your fears, right? I want you to face a fear this week. Whatever a fear is, maybe it's a fear of getting up and talking publicly. And Nicole Garrido shaking her head, nope, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> the face of fear this week is what I want you to do. Um, we got a new puppy. We got a new puppy. So thank you for everyone who sent us cards and condolences. We had a church member here buy us a dog, right? Super, super kind. We got to pick it out. They paid for it, right? So we got a Mastiff. We didn't get the English Mastiff, we got the Italian Mastiff. Wanted to name him Stromboli, but we couldn't do that. So we named her Sundaya instead because we got her on Sunday, okay? Uh, Izzy is scared to death of the dog. Okay, she's getting better, right? Um, when we first got the dog, Izzy did not want to touch the dog. She said, Daddy, it's going to bite me! It's going to bite me! And I have to tell Izzy, you got to get down there and be tough, right? Get down there and be tough. And she would put it, and the dog would chase and try to bite the bottom of her leg. You know how puppies are, right? And I said, Izzy, you got to get over there. You got to be tough, right? You got to let it go. And eventually, Izzy, over the course of the week, has been getting over the fear, and now she can't even put the puppy down, right? She has the puppy in the bed with her and takes her out for the potty, right? Because she got over her fear, and now. She has peace in her life. She's not worried or scared of the dog anymore, right? She faced a little bit of fear. And she's going to be baptized pretty soon, so I'm very proud of her, right? Surrender some control. Face a fear this week, right? Point number two is this. I want you to trust and obey as we look at the Scripture. You guys know the song, don't you? When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. A great way to have peace in your life is just to trust God and obey. So this week, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be challenged a little bit with whatever's going on in your life. What I want you to do this week is I want you to remember the words of that song. Will you do that this week? Will you sing it this week? Will you remember the words when you're going through a hard time or you're in a tough spot? Just remember that song, Trust and Obey. I want you to sing that this week, hum it, or say the words, and I guarantee you it'll bring more peace to your life and your context. And then point number three is this. I want you to take one day at a time. That's so hard. You know, a lot of times we struggle with conflict in our life because we're so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. 
But the scripture says, take one day at a time. And if you can't take it one day at a time, take it one hour at a time, right? And if you can't do that, take it five minutes at a time, right? One step, one day at a time. We tend to worry and get anxiety about what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day. But when I read the scripture, the scripture says, focus on today because today has enough trouble of its own. And if we can do that, I guarantee you, church, we can have a little bit more peace in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I need peace. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came to provide us with that peace. So this morning, we've got a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here that needs to respond to the message, maybe you need some peace in your life. Come forward. The church will pray with you, pray for you, to encourage you, to build you up. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. You need to become a child of God. You need to be baptized in water and add it to the church. Have your sins and iniquities washed away so that you can be reconciled with God and live in peace with Him. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation? I come.